Hey, yo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. And alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at HectorMall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader, being produced today by Kevin Wells. And we got a big show for you. We got some audio from San Diego. Rick Hans spoke to the assembled media and our Ryan Herrera of CHGO Cubs. Uh, appreciate Ryan getting us that audio, but we'll play a little bit of uh, that for you. And actually, Kevin, do we have the, the first one? Because uh, this one's just funny. Um, right before Ryan ended the uh, the uh, the Game recording, bang. okay, the okay. recording, there was this final question, and the answer is cut off. But someone asked a question for our guy Jaxo. Is it the Han on Blockbuster trade? Is that the audio? No, no, no. It's the it's the other one. It's let me the, let me grab it. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry. I thought I thought you had that ready. My bad. Um, someone asked him about Judge, and it was just <laughs> I, it, the answer wasn't finished, so we can really like with this audio kind of just fill in the blank here uh, for Rick Hahn, even though Arson Judge is apparently going to the San Francisco Giants. All right, um, just this one's for Jaxo. You guys can sign Aaron Judge. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that one I will answer. That one I will answer. And then Ryan cuts it off. So what did Rick Hahn say? Are the White Sox going to sign Aaron Judge? Yeah, after he's like, man, yeah, Aaron <laughs> Judge, well, that's a drop in the bucket. Hell yeah. That's why we haven't been signing players for all these years, for Aaron Judge to show up on our doorstep and now we're ready to go. Yeah, I, I think Rick probably said, yeah, we're, we're just going to work out the details, you know, probably going to be 10 years, $400 million. It's like, I mean, it sucks that uh, sucks that the Giants are going to get Arson Judge, but his brother Aaron's much better. Yes. <laughs> much better. Arson, though, you know, very notable in his own right. Uh, let's go to some of the news out of winter meeting day two first before we get into some of the Rick Hahn stuff. Uh, let's go to Cody Bellinger signing with the Cubs because I know that you're kind of TO'd uh, yeah, a little bit. really. Okay, wrong wrong description, but Cody Bellinger signs with the Cubs one year, seventeen point seven five million, I think it was, yeah. or seventeen point five million. Uh, but seventeen million for Cody Bellinger going to the Cubs. What do you make of that for the Northsiders? Great prove it deal for Cody Bellinger. I know White Sox fans. Some in my uh, comments are like, he's not good. He hasn't been good in two years. Like, yeah, he hasn't been good in two years. But he's a former MVP with a obvious shoulder injury that he suffered in twenty twenty in the World Series, and. They're just banking on him returning to form. That won't hurt the Cubs. If he is the Cody Bellinger of before, they'll get the performance from the MVP, the left-handed bat, Darren Wrigley, and the matinee idol looks of a Cody Bellinger. Then he can reestablish his trade or his market value and go on the free agency market in, at 28 and then get the big-time bucks. I think it's a, as I always say, a can't hurt, might help type of deal for the Cubs and for Cody Bellinger. And if the White Sox would have got Cody Bellinger, I would have been all in for that. That would have been a great move for the White Sox. I know what some White Sox fans would have poo-pooed it as a, man, this guy sucks. Why are we getting this guy type of guy? But I would have been all for Cody Bellinger be on the south side instead of the north side. Well, we got to compare the two different, uh, you know, states of the franchises, though, because our guy Russ Dorsey and David Kaplan of ESPN 1000 said that Cap uh, was reporting that Tom Ricketts told Jed that they're opening up the checkbook. Yep. So you have one team that's willing to open up the checkbook, and Mark Feinstein reported that the Cubs might even be in on two of the shortstops, uh, whether it be Xander Bogarts and, and Danzy Swanson, Carlos Correa and Danzy Swanson. Um, but now they even go out and get Cody Bellinger. It's just like if the Sox went out and got Bellinger, 
that's basically the remaining of their budget right there. Mm-hmm. So if the Sox did that, and I think you you said before the show, a move's a move, but you'd be fine if the White Sox gave $17.5 million of their remaining budget to Cody Ballinger? I mean, yeah, of their their self-imposed budget, yes. I would have been fine with that. It's a flyer, but they've done flyers on worse. They've done flyers on Nomar Mazzara. They've done flyers on other players that are not good. Every year we get this type of player, and I think this is a little bit more of the, this is a high-ceiling player. He has an unlimited amount of potential. And I think his defense still plays. So if he doesn't hit, he's still a gold glove center fielder, has won the gold glove in center field. So his defense plays there in Wrigley, and he'll be having his value either way, either defensively, offensively, or both, if the Cubs get their way. Yeah, and I think, too, I just, I'm with AJ. 17.5 is a lot of money for a flyer and a lot of money for a flyer that forgot how to play baseball for two years. Um, I told you that stat that over the past two years, and I know that, you know, you, you know it, since 2021, Lear Garcia has a higher weighted runs created plus than Cody Bellinger. But you're right. I mean, that it's, it's, it's a better, you know, you're picking from a better litter than Nomar Mazzara. But again, with contracts, you're paying for the player you're going to get, not the player that he was. Right, but I mean, the, the White Sox just gave $15.5 million to Leary Garcia over three years, and that looks like a bad contract. You're it was a bad Cody contract. Cody Bellinger just a, a chunk of money for It was year? a bad contract when it was signed because they were bidding it themselves for a utility player you could get. The Pirates, too. Apparently. Literally, you could get a Leary Garcia off of any team right now and get the same exact stats off of anybody, and you wouldn't have to pay them because those players would probably be Arbitration eligible. Well, and the other the other team that was reportedly in, or the you know betting against the Sox for Leary was the Pittsburgh Pirates, who just went out and got my guy Vince Velasquez for three million dollars. <laughs> so it really, if you're in competition with the Pirates to sign somebody, you're you're probably going up the wrong tree. Oh yeah, real bad. That that nutting guy, the owner of there, they absolutely. You think we hate Jerry Reinsdorf here? The Pittsburgh Pirate fans absolutely detest Robert Nutting who just pockets all the money he gets from the competitive balance tax, the all the money that we talked about with Bam Tech. He has $117 million and barely spends it on his team. Now Brian Reynolds is like, hey, uh, I want to leave this team. And that'll be another person who's in his like third year of arbitration will be gone. And they traded Adam Frazier in his second to last year or his last year of arbitration because he was going to make too much money. That guy is a bad owner. Just pockets his money, has a beautiful stadium, and does nothing with it. So, yeah, they hate him more than we hate Jerry Reinsdorf, which is hard to believe. But check out a Pittsburgh uh, radio station every once in a while or a Pittsburgh Pirate uh, uh, like message board. Because remember, the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 70s, early 90s, they were pretty damn good. And a couple times in late in 2000s, they went to the playoffs. So, you know, seeing all these players that they used to be on the Pirates, like Joe Musgrove doing well, Garrett Cole doing mm-hmm. well, Jameson Tyone on the thing, they must, the Pittsburgh Pirate fans are like, God damn, all our former players that we could have just had here, if you paid them, are everywhere else. And now we are just a middling bad team. But even the Pirates, too. I mean, they've, they've spent $70 million on Cabrian Hayes. So, you know, like the Sox, they're, they're going into the, uh, the, the younger. They better sign that man. The younger players. O- was that O'Neill Cruz? Was yeah, his name? Six, seven. Ooh. Shortstop apparently has gotten stronger. 100 mile per hour fastballs from shortstop. Mm. He hits like 118 from the left side. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, They're going to trade him in like three years. And speaking of that, too, uh, the idea of giving money to younger players, this popped up on my feed from uh, KNBR. Uh, they popped this from uh, the Eclipse Sports Center uh, 30 years ago today because Barry Bonds signed a 
deal with the Giants. The only other team offering him a contract was the Yankees. Hmm. Did you see how much he signed for back 30 years ago? I'm trying to think. It would probably be like seven, eight million. Uh, yeah. I mean, so forty three million dollars for six years. Yeah, that's a Loy Jimenez contract before he picked up a bat. Yeah, Barry I, Bonds got that after winning an NL MVP. I think he supplanted the Ryan Sandberg contract, where Ryan Sandberg was the highest paid player in MLB, and then Barry Bonds like, yeah, I'm gonna win a bunch of MVPs, and now I'm gonna be the highest paid player, just like swimming in forty three million dollars. <laughs> Today's players like <laughs> hilarious. Um, the big news though, Aaron Judge possibly going to San Francisco. I guess we haven't confirmed this yet, but it seems like that's what's happening. You surprised that the the, the Yankees aren't? Aren't going after this. Arson Judge Pierce headed to the Yankees for John Heyman. You couldn't see that. Yeah, Arson Judge, and I mean, John Heyman put it out there. Susan Slusser put it out there, yeah. who's also a beat writer for the uh, Giants. So it seems more that he is going to go play for his hometown team out there with the Giants, get a bunch of money. Good for him. Excellent for him. It's very rare that the Yankees want a player. And don't retain the player. Like I said before, I think the last time that happened is when Robinson Cano went to Seattle for that 10 years, $220 million. Didn't work out there. But I think Aaron Judge won't be the power hitter, you know, with the numbers out there in San Francisco and the West Coast that he was in the Yankee Stadium. But he'll still hit a bunch of home runs. Hometown uh, guy. People will love him for coming there. And I don't know if the Giants will be competing with the Dodgers or Padres, but it's a good move. It's a really good move to bring that type of talent, what is he, 30, 31 years old, yeah. back to San Francisco. And congratulations. The narrative Must that I great. haven't understood, though, is that like AT&T Park or whatever, it's Oracle now, Oracle Park, yeah. uh, is going to limit his power. It is. Didn't it, Barry? I know, but didn't Barry Bonds like hit like the, the most home runs ever in a season at that he park? Did. He did. He was uh, enhanced a little bit, but yeah. Famously, San Francisco's cold as hell at night, even in the summer. Like July, we went there for the weekend series versus the White Sox. We we're wearing some sweaters. July Fourth weekend, because at night it gets cold, and when the marine layer sticks, sticks around, that ball, the air is a little heavier at night. And it's harder to get the ball out. And if you know San Francisco, that power alley in right field, it's like 415. I mean, it might be easier to hit right down the line in right field. But otherwise, that is a cavernous ballpark. A lot more triples, I think, for Aaron Judge in his career. Because he'll be hitting <laughs> those balls into right center. And they will not be going out. They'll be bouncing off the wall in the uh, Levi Landing, I think it's called back there. But he's going to have a great time. You know, he will hit. And when he goes to Colorado, watch out, folks. That scoreboard's in danger of being destroyed. Mercy. But otherwise, yeah, his power will go down. The numbers will go down. I don't think he'll ever hit 68 again. That's me going on a limb because I think only, like, Sammy Sosa's hit multiple 60 home run years. So, and he did it three times. Yeah. And unless Aaron Judge, you know, dips into a little steroids, I don't think he's going <laughs> to be doing the Barry Bonds thing. Uh, yeah, very weird about Bonds, too. Uh, Bonds never hit 60, but he hit 70. <laughs> Like, like, I'm going right over it. Make, make that makes sense. <laughs> Never hit 50, but I hit 73 in a year. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably was Judge's 63 or 73 season was you know him hitting 62 this year. Um, and and along those lines too, like there was a report recently from uh, Bradford. Uh, I just want to make sure uh, Bradford uh, William Davis of Insider, along with uh, Meredith Willis, um, Doctor Meredith Willis. Um, 
and they've been examining the balls for the past couple of years. Oh, yeah. And they've found that uh, the Goldilocks balls, the ones that are kind of in between the dead-in ball of 2022 and the live ball of 2019, uh, there was a Goldilocks ball that was kind of like perfect, and all of those were either found in postseason games or Yankee games. So very interesting that, you know, Judge had a really great season where they're sending possibly the good balls. Um, and I do uh, encourage you to read that full piece over at Insider.com. Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe MLB was trying to boost up Aaron a little bit with some of these balls. So you never know. It's smart. I mean, if as long as you didn't get caught, which they did get caught, it's smart to boost your, your uh, offense up specifically for players so you can have an audience. And he's like, oh, man, you have a spectacle. That's smart. That's what they did kind of with the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire thing. They turned a blind eye to the steroid use because they needed to because they had created that strike in 94 and fans were rightfully staying away from the ballpark when they did return. 98's home run chase brought the fans back and brought the audiences back, brought that Cub attendance to where it is right now. And I, I say this all the time. You Cub fans who have turned back your backs on Sammy Sosa, shame on you. That man has made that ballpark and that fan base what it is today. Damn, look at the numbers when he started and look at the growth of Sammy's career and the attendance of the Cubs. It goes right hand in hand. Causation and correlation. This guy was a Cubs fan because mm-hmm. of 21. Yeah. I, I was born on the 21st. My favorite colors were blue and red, and that guy hit a ton of home runs. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. Baseball is cooler when people hit home runs. Yeah. Uh, we do have a couple things uh, to finish up from day two. Uh, Pedro Grafol is meeting the media right now. Ryan Herrera is out in San Diego uh, at that press conference right now. So if anything comes through from there, we will have an update for you. Uh, Josh Bell also signed with the Guardians. We have something a little bit later on in the show uh, on that. And then we also have Rick Hahn coming up. But we got to let you know about Green Ridge Farm. Green Ridge Farm is a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option. They're the makers of all-natural deli meat, sausages, and their famous meat sticks. The meat sticks are perfect for tailgating, happy hour, school lunches. My mom put a meat stick in my school lunch. Mercy. Uh, I'd be I'd be thrilled. And these all natural meat sticks are hardwood smoked for eight hours with 16 grams of protein per stick. They make a perfect pers- post-workout snack. Meat sticks come in chicken, black forest beef, and flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy chili. Green Ridge Farm also makes fantastic mustards that go perfectly with these meat sticks. So if you haven't tried them yet, you don't know what you're missing out on. They are delicious because they're made from recipes generations in the making. And being all natural, they will deliver a fresh and flavor alternative at snack time. You can find them at your local Jules or any other Chicagoland grocery dealer, uh, along with Costco and Sam's Club. Right now, when you order any three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using code CHGO at checkout. Green Ridge Farm, simply natural meat. And again, use code CHGO for checkout. And when you order any three meat products at Green Ridge Farm and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free. Uh, we do have a super chat from Jacko that we will get to in a second. Um, well, I guess he's just saying, Guardians, trap, grab Josh, Josh Bell. Uh, can we play the, the judge thing just one more time for our guy, Jacko? I don't know if he heard it. You guys can sign Aaron Judge. Oh, <laughs> now that one I will answer. All right, fill in the blank there, Jacko. Uh, Jacko. Uh, but the Combat Energy Efficiency Program is committed to uh, helping fill families and businesses in the communities we serve manage energy usage and lower energy bills. Now into the future, Combat offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across our territory. Customers can inquire about how to update lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights, learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device and track your facility's energy usage, and 
more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor-outdoor lighting and network lighting controls and make these projects even more cost-effective than ever before. So visit comment.com slash poweringbiz now to start saving money and energy. And to start a project, contact us at 1-855-433-2700. And for more information, email businessee at comed.com or publicsectoree at comed.com. And again, comed.com slash poweringbiz. Um, we will get to Josh Bell in just a second. Herb posted a Twitter poll earlier asking who was better, the Sox or Guardians. Uh, I disagree with the poll, and I went through uh, all the positions and laid out for you uh, my thoughts on that. But we'll get to it in just a second. We do want to get into the blockbuster trade quote from Rakan that was uh, fluctuating around Twitter last night. So let's just have the clip play itself, um, and then we'll explain it a little bit. And uh, maybe Tim Anderson will get traded. Huh? We've had a lot of conversations, obviously, is the time of year. Uh, you guys have heard me say over the years there's obviously uh, uh, nothing magical about getting a player done while or acquiring a player while you are at the winter meetings. Uh, certainly don't get any additional wins for acquiring a player on December 6th versus December 16th. Uh, but there's the, you know, that momentum that exists here that sometimes leads to deals coming together. Uh, we all have already seen uh, some movement in the starting pitcher market uh, that's not totally unanticipated and part of the reason we moved on getting a deal done with Clevenger early in the process. Uh, seen a little movement in the shortstop market, obviously one that we're not uh, currently in, uh, but perhaps that has some impact on some of the other clubs that we're talking about in terms of pivoting towards, towards some trades. Uh, for those of you who are at the GM meetings I mentioned, yeah, I was asked and, and shared that I thought the majority of our moves were going to come via trade as opposed to free agency. Uh, followed that up by making a free agent signing. Uh, but I, I still think it's more likely that things wind up to, via trade. Don't know if that's going to be here. Certainly know that we've had some productive conversations, and uh, whether they bear fruit in the next 48 hours or next few weeks will remain to be seen. When you talk about the shortstop market possibly affecting you know, the trade market, um, is that maybe direct in terms of some team adds a shortstop and a middle infielder is now you know someone they're willing to move, could or it could that, be indirect? Could be that. Could be that they miss on someone. Could be that they reallocate resources to a different spot because they either did or did not sign a free agent. Hey, my point is simply a lot of times trade talks are dependent on what happens in free agency. It's not just totally isolated markets. Uh, Thus far, you know, just however long we've been here, 24 hours or so, you've seen a little more movement on the free agent than the trade side of the of the ledger. That's not too surprising, and I suspect the next few days will will mimic that. So the big thing that stuck out to me was when, in the first answer, Han said, "We've seen a little movement in the shortstop market." Obviously one that we're not currently in, but perhaps that has some impact on some of the other clubs that we're talking about in terms of pivoting towards some trades. Um, I was just curious about the but perhaps, yeah. and then James Fegan kind of followed up saying, you know, what, what, what could possibly affect the shortstop market? And, he, and Rick said, could be that a team signing a shortstop, making another player expendable, could be that they miss out on somebody, or it could be that they reallocate resources to a different spot because they didn't or didn't sign a free agent. So... I took that as, and this is exactly the same time as Mark Feinstein's tweets coming down that the Cubs might sign both Xander Bogarts and Dansby Swanson or some mixture of the two or three shortstops. My immediate thought is the Dodgers miss, miss out on you know one of these 
big shortstops, there's no way that they're going to go into 2022 with or 2023 with Gavin Lux as their shortstop. So why wouldn't you go call the White Sox who have a player who is just as, you know, not just as good, but on a, a lower level, but making half the money mm-hmm. as these players. I mean, Trey Turner's tr- signing for $27 million. Tim Anders is making 12.5. Yeah. So if a God offer, if a Godfather offer came around, would the White Sox say no to a Tim Anderson deal? No, I don't think so. Tim, none, none of these players should be untouchable. And especially not Tim Anderson, even though I've said time and time again, Tim is more valuable to the White Sox than he is to some other team. But I also listened to that, and I heard both what you're saying, that Tim could be expendable. And if some team acquires a shortstop, i.e. the San Diego Padres, who already have a plethora of shortstop with Fernando Tatis and Hassan Kim or um, you know all the players they have available, they could make available one of those players if they sign Xander Bogarts. Where's this, you know, where's this extra player going to go? So I see Rick can be, you know, he had plausible deniability with his comments there where people can read into that. Like, oh, you're trading Tim Anderson. Oh, God, no, no, no. But he said, I didn't say that. I said, if the shortstop market moves, there can be some possibilities. And I can see him saying possibilities of trading Tim or possibilities of adding an actual shortstop and moving Tim to shortstop or to second or moving this player that they acquire to second base and fix that position by having a shortstop, which would be a smart move because you see these teams and the Cubs uh, and the rumors of the Cubs and Mark Feinstein acquiring multiple shortstops when they already have one. That's the wave of the future. That's what good teams do. Have a bunch of shortstops and move them around the field. That's what the Padres are going to do when Fernando Tatis comes back. He's going to be a center fielder. And I hope that Rick Hahn is going in that route instead of trading away Tim Anderson because I don't know if Gavin Lux is the answer to replace Tim Anderson. And then that's extra pressure on the player you acquire for, for Tim Anderson, who is a starting shortstop for the American League. That player has to be of that ilk or even better. Yeah, and I, I think we could just follow up with what Ken Rosenthal reported today, saying the White Sox might be opening to trading closer Liam Hendricks, but they are telling teams that they will not move shortstop Tim Anderson, who is under team control for two more seasons. Um, their decision to hold Anderson reflects their short-term focus, even as they entertain the possibility of moving Hendricks. The White Sox' willingness to listen to Hendricks is partly due to the strength of their bullpen and partly because they lack the prospect depths uh, to swing major trades. And even then, uh, Han was asked about the prospects and if anyone was really untouchable, and it seems like no. Um, so I don't know if Colson Montgomery is technically untouchable. They, Should I think, be. plan to have Oscar Colas be their opening day right fielder but I don't know if he's untouchable. So uh, the White Sox might need to get really creative with trades here because I've been saying this all offseason. I don't really see how they get a trade done unless they pull a deal on Hendricks or Anderson. And it seems like that's going to basically play out because he's now calling, Rickon's now calling Andrew Vaughn, Vaughn So I really doubt that guy's getting traded. Yeah, and I mean, it's not congruent with the move he's already made where he's let Jose Abreu go. If you let Jose Abreu go, you got to have Andrew Vaughn be the first baseman. That was the main reason yet you let Jose Abreu go because you can replace the actual position with a good player there. But I would hate a Liam Hendricks trade unless you got an absolute haul of major league talent players right now. And I'm seeing the comments they're arguing about Gavin Lux and if that's enough and they need to go more with the Dodgers. No. You're sacrificing one of the spots that you know 
is guaranteed to do well. He's done well the two years you've had him here as a White Sox and the year before when he was an Oakland Athletic. That's a solid place. You should have that solidified and move with money instead of moving your good player and then rolling dice on Ronaldo Lopez being as good as Liam Hendricks in a role that he would have to take up in that in the interim. Or maybe they go to Kendall Graveman there. But I would not like a, a Liam Hendricks move unless it was like you get Gavin Lux, you get Max Muncy, you get other players that can help you currently, and maybe some of their other players down there in the minor leagues who are major league ready, just blocked by major league talent on the Dodgers. My thought, though, and we do have a super chat here from Jack, so let me get to this first. Uh, sounds like Rick has learned that nobody wants a trade from the White Sox unless it's players uh, we still need, also we need a right field, left fielder, and second baseman if Aloy and Grandal move to DH. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the Sox, I think the next move still would be a left fielder. I think that Oscar Colas will probably be the opening day right fielder. Um, and second base, I think it's the back burner. It's on the back burner right now just because there are limited options. The White Sox could go get Gene Segura, but outside of that, I don't see them getting a deal done unless maybe the Dodgers are that team that he was referring to and maybe they do sign a shortstop. They have Max Muncy at second. Maybe Gavin Lux becomes expendable and he's available to be you know the next White Sox second baseman. So um, I do think that you're right, though, that nobody wants a trade from the White Sox. And that's the thing with the Sean Murphy rumors and you know th- them being attached to even certain free agents. Like They have to be super aggressive on Mike Clevenger. They have to try to work all the relationship angles with Ethan Katz and, uh, you know, apparently the mound was so important to him. Like, they tried to sell him on every single thing and just get that deal done as quick as possible Mm -hmm. before a team could offer Mike Clevenger, you know, just $12 straight up or whatever, right? Like, Mike Clevenger said teams weren't being really aggressive on him. The White Sox were aggressive in that market, and that's why they got it done. But I, I don't know if they're being super aggressive in any trade markets right now outside of being like, hey... This guy's available. They're waiting. For hey, the, Liam Hendricks is available. I mean, they're waiting for the dust to settle in free agency. Once teams sign their players and get their premium to free agents, then the White Sox will pick up the scraps and say, oh, you didn't get player X in free agency. Uh, we have that same type of player who is cost controlled. Would you like to trade us your, your surplus of whatever right fielder, left fielder that you guys have for our, you know, first base DH types? Yeah, all right, cool. Here, let's do that. You know, they're waiting for the dust to settle. They're waiting for everything to to come together for other teams, the teams to solidify their rosters before the White Sox solidify their rosters. Exactly how teams who are going for a championship do. They wait for other teams to do things, and then they they react after. Yeah. You know, they're, they're reactive instead of proactive. Mm-hmm. The Mets have never been active. They've never been proactive yeah. uh, signing free agents. Um, and I, I think you'll love this quote then. This was the final quote from Rick Hahn, and he was kind of asked if the smoke has to clear a little bit on the free free agent market for moves to happen, uh, basically along the same lines. He said, I mean, we made one of the first free agent moves of the offseason, didn't we? I know what you mean. And he was just giving, listening to this, he was just giving James Feagan shit. Um, so I, I will be fair. Rick is just being a, a normal person. Uh, I know exactly what you mean, though. In the terms of a mega free agent deal, I think some of the... Some of those are probably going to have to come together in the coming days to lead to a little bit more of activity in other markets. We are not driving that bus exactly. So the White Sox aren't driving anything. The White Sox aren't really taking charge here. And that's not super shocking, but 
you know, that's the White Sox. Matthew Cortese gives us a super chat very much uh, from Portland. We appreciate that. Matthew, uh, he says, where does the BAM tech money go? You spent a little bit of money or uh, time talking about this on Sunday. Um, $30 million from the sale of BAM tech, the final 15% that MLB owned to Disney. What do the White Sox do, if anything, with that 30 mil? Put it in their pocket. The budget's the budget. They knew that money's coming eventually, and they set the budget as such. That's putting it in Jerry's pocket. There's nothing going to be spent extra. If there was, you would see them doing some moves right now. You see the Rangers continuing to make moves. Andrew Heaney for a two-year deal. Not that much money, whether it was $12 million per per year. Good money, though. Another pitcher in the Rangers system that the White Sox would have could have used as a left-handed starter. Um, you know, the Mets continue to do things. Other teams are spending this BAM Tech money. The Phillies we saw yesterday spending some more money. And... Apparently, Arson Judge is going to be out there with the Giants. That $30 million this year will be paid to Arson Judge, plus a little extra money because I'm sure he'll make more than $30 million this year. So, yeah, um, it's good that other teams are taking their money that they got from the sale of Bam Tech and they're actively spending it and putting it on the major league team. And I wish our White Sox would do the same because it's the best and easiest way to acquire players. We see with their just in that second play, secondary market where they're waiting for other teams to do something, it's the harder part because those other teams know you need to make a move. And so they're not motivated. They know you're not um, a complete roster. They know that you need a, a right fielder and a left fielder and a second baseman so they can hold out a little bit more. They probably have their roster for the most part fixed. The Dodgers don't necessarily need Liam Hendricks. They can find a closer on their roster. Gratterall. Uh, mm. They can find Vezia. These other but, people can be can be cheaper options. And if they uh, but, and if the White Sox want to play hardball with the Dodgers, all they can say is, "No, we're good. We don't need to give you Lux and these other players. Just go ahead and do your thing." And they can sit back. And the the White Sox are now in a trick bag where they're depending on other teams coming to an agreement with them. But they're in the – they don't have any leverage. The other team has all the leverage because they know the White Sox need those players. See, but, like, the the Gratterall thing, like, right there, like, the Dodgers struggled with closer the entire season. Kimbrell stunk. Gratterall wasn't even trusted. And Gratterall, over his four years, is a seven, uh, a 372 ERA. Like, I don't even know if he's that good. Reynaldo Lopez has proven that he's – a really great arm in the in the Sox bullpen. I think if you're looking at the Dodgers and White Sox closer setup right now, the White Sox haven't made. They have Liam Hendricks, who's a steal right now at $14 million. And the other thing, too, with this guy, like, and I think Reynaldo is the closer in waiting. The other thing, too, is like Liam Hendricks is basically a one-year deal for the Sox, and he would be a two-year deal for any other team. Um, there's a 2024 option that includes a $15 million buyout. So I, I think that the Sox can pick that up but I thought it was put in because it was made as a three-year 54 million dollars yeah so I thought that deal was just guaranteed money just so the White Sox didn't have to deal with it so I don't know if the White Sox can actually pick that up um he does have a five-team no trade list and we don't have that and this is Liam Hendricks we don't have that list uh, of the five teams that he would allow a trade to um but the 2024 club option includes a 15 million dollar buyout I I I think that the White Sox I don't know if they pick that up. Like, I don't know if the White Sox can pick that up. Yeah, they can. It's just a club option. 
So if they don't pick it up, then he just gets the money. Yeah, he gets the okay. money. He's right, going to get I'm paid sorry. either way. So um, I know. I know if get, he's traded, the 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 option is invested. Yeah, the White Sox are either going to pay him fifteen million to not play on their team, or pay him fifteen million yeah. to be on their team. But wouldn't it make sense then to trade him now when he's got two more years of control then, rather than just the one? Because what what it, are they going to bring him back in twenty twenty five? It would, but I think that you're overvaluing how good Ronaldo Lopez is as a back-end-of-the-bullpen guy to a closer. Like, those are two different things. And I would think that it isn't different, but so many people who've been closers, so many people who play baseball says it's a different beast when you're a seventh, eighth-inning guy to when you're the ninth-inning guy. Nerves. It's mental. Not, mo- not necessarily the actual pitches that you're throwing. And we've seen Liam. He said he has the mentality of, I don't care if they hit a home run off me. We see how many home runs he gives up a year. He doesn't give a goddamn because he forgets about it and goes and executes the next pitch. He's pitched the pitch, the pitch, the pitch. And so, yes, Raylo has the numbers, and the, I think in the future will be a closer. But why would you want to do that with a, such a solid thing that you have already right now with Raylo, Graveman, Kelly? I know you don't put that in there. And Liam Hendricks in the back end of your bullpen. And you can include Aaron Bummer in there. And then take one of those elements out just to improve a spot like second base. I don't know if it's just second base, though. Like, I I think, like, even Sebi is a backup option. Like, I I don't know. Does your team get better if you trade Liam Hendricks for a position player? I think it could, just because that position player is playing every single day. And for Liam Hendricks to be effective, the team has to be good. It just won 81 games. Like, do you have faith that the White Sox can win over 81 games? You see Fangraphs yeah. is projecting them to win about 76. Should the White Sox be paying $14 well, right now, million? Dollars oh, yeah, to, right now. They lost their best player. They're right. probably their second best pitcher in uh So why Plato? should they hold on to a $14 million closer when that could be spent on a left fielder? If we're getting rid of Liam, let's get rid of a lot of other players. Let's just rebuild. That's what I'm saying. You, If you're in a championship contending window, a stud reliever is what you need. You need that back end of the game to be, oh, it's lights out. We're good. All we need to get to is the seventh, eighth, in, seventh, eighth inning, and we're good. If you're trading Liam, that signals to me that you don't think 2023 you're in contention. I don't think they do. They I mean, don't that, think they are? It seems like what, what they're signaling is that they're going to be trading Liam Hendricks. I don't, I don't think trade that they can Trade more people be... then. Trade more people. If you're going to rebuild or retool on the fly like the Yankees did that one year, do that. But don't act like trading, not you, White Sox, don't act like trading Liam Hendricks is a contending move. You trade Liam Hendricks, that means you are starting over. That means that you think that the team needs more things that you can handle in the free agency market, which you can always go and get the free agents. Just pay them, and it'll be much easier, and you can keep Liam Hendricks. And, yeah, it might go over your budget a little bit, but who gives a goddamn? Winning is the more it helps you make more money. And if you trade Liam Hendricks, I think that signals that the White Sox themselves think that they're not going to pe- compete in 2023. Because that's why they got him, because they were in the contention window. That was a huge time signing when they got him. The AL re- uh, reliever of the year. And then he continued that. And this past year, he was pretty damn good again. I hear you out. Yeah. I-, I just... I-, I still think even without Liam Hendricks, if you take Liam Hendricks off this team, like, they still can win the AL Central. Like, the AL Central just isn't that good. So that's that's why I think that, I don't know. One team in the AL Central is really goddamn good. 
I don't think that team's that really damn They're good. really good, and they're really oh. young. They were the youngest team in baseball. If we want to and talk, they got better today. If we want to talk about really good before we get into that discussion, uh, the Bellinger deal, uh, there is a little bit more details. And thank you to Jack Sell for the super chat just to uh, give us a heads up. Uh, he did give the details uh, from Jeff Passan. Um, but there's a little bit more details from Jorge Castillo. Bellinger's deal is uh, for one year with a mutual option for a second. It's a $12 million salary in 2023 and a $5.5 million buyout if the mutual option isn't picked up. Essentially a one-year deal because the option isn't expected to be exercised. So he's going to get 17.5, but 12 for this year, and then he'll likely get bought out for 5.5. Yeah, um, if Bellinger has a ass-kickingly great year in 2023, he's uh, immediately going to opt out because he's going to have a bunch of people out there who are going to want his services for a longer-term deal. His agent, Scott Boer, said there are a lot of teams that wanted multi-year deals for Cody Bellinger, but it's smart of him and to him and his agent, Scott Boris to go back on the market just like Carlos Correa did when you're 28 years old, after you have a great, solid year, you reestablish your market. Carlos Correa did it because of the lockout. Bellinger's doing it because of two bad years previous. If he goes out and kicks ass, there's no there's no second of the time. After the October last game of the season, he's hitting the button, he's getting his extra $5.5 million, and he's going to the free agency market, which is smart. Yeah. I mean, and 12 was- million and what, $12.5 million for Cody Bellinger to play center field, left field for you? Drop of the bucket. It's a good deal for the Cubs. I can't lie. Uh, Who's your daddy? Super chat, $5. Thank you very much. Who's your daddy? Uh, reminder that there is no cap and the Sox can spend whatever they want on free agents, if not for Jerry Reinsdorf refusing to do so. I have Thank never you, said otherwise. Thank you, you are, Who's your daddy? You are 100% right. You guys are killing it, it with super chats. It today. is. Sup- it is. It's, it's our people. It is self-imposed. Love it's our people. What's, we love our people. What's self-imposed? Um, self-imposed means okay. you, you self-imposed it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of paraphrased the... Uh, the Goat Boy thing from uh, Adam Sandler's They're All Gonna Laugh at You CD. I think it's They're All Gonna Laugh at You. He said, what's superimposed? It's an old thing. You were, It was probably way before you were born. I know what superimposed is. No, he, it's the goat. He's making fun of the old man who used to beat the shit out of him. He's like, the old man's like, he's walking away. He's like, I hear him whispering, what's superimposed? <laughs> Idiots. Some people know what I'm talking about. I used it the other day on Twitter. It was great. All right. uh, My old people came out and supported me. Herb's got the hottest Adam Sandler references, and Game Time's got the hottest new tickets. It's the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Have you ever dreamed of sitting on a seat you never thought you could? 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, Floor seats at a concert, it's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Blackhawks or Bulls tickets, so head over to the United Center and download the Game Time app. It was created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. We will have Ryan Herrera joining us from San Diego in just a second. Uh, Shady Rays, they've never understood why sunglasses were so expensive, so they set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles catered to everyone in every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear, lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. If you dropped it in the lake, 
off a cliff, anything, they'll replace them. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Race is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRace.com. That's buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRace.com, where you can find all their newest and best shades. They are the best shades that I have ever owned. And finally, Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for all your favorite sports teams, so get fitted in the best sports gear around. Foco has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, and bobbleheads. So you can get decked out like tomorrow with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles, FOCO. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO's got you covered for hoodies with to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Uh, you saw two of them on our show yesterday, uh, or I guess it was the same one, but reversible. Uh, so check out FOCO.com, that is F-O-C-O, or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Let's go out to San Diego, where our CHGO uh, baseball writer, Ryan Herrera is joining us from San Diego. Diego, you can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. Big day in Chicago. Cody Bellinger is now a Cub. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Pedro Grafol and Rick Hahn. What stood out to the two uh, press conferences from you? Uh, so well, we just actually got done maybe, you know, I think about four or three twenty-ish uh, with Pedro Grafol. Um, and one of the things he, he talked about is, um, you know, just how – it really struck me how, like, he was asked kind of what the, the conversations were like, kind of looking back at what happened with the Sox in 2022. Um, and, and what he kind of responded is, like, we didn't talk about 2022. Uh, we only talked about what we needed to do in 2023. And, you know, that that's kind of manager speak. You kind of expect him to answer like that. But it's also, like, you can you can expect him. You know, he's, he's a guy. He's from outside the organization. Um, you know, wasn't obviously here. The Sox is disappointing 2022 season. Um, so he really is someone coming in with, with fresh eyes, right? Fresh perspective on how to build the team and how to manage the team, that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's also something that uh, Rick Hahn yesterday uh, at, his, at his media availability, he kind of said the same thing that um, he appreciates Pedro uh, a lot for you know, from, you know everything he does, but specifically uh, with the ability to bring a fresh perspective to the organization. Um, and you guys know uh, from what they talked about at the beginning of the managerial search, that was uh, what they were. That was what they wanted, right? Someone, maybe not, tech, some, maybe not someone with White Sox DNA. Someone that comes from outside and has a has a fresh pair of eyes when they look at at this organization. And, and you know, Pedro Grafal definitely brings that. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, that's the the main thing. One of the main things that stuck out to me was that he was ready to come in just with a fresh pair of eyes and just focus on. You know, he's got the pieces to be a good team. How can he be the right manager to help those pieces fit together and actually compete in 2023? Hey, and Rick is speaking in like 15 minutes from now. Is that correct? Yes, 430. All right. And so is we had a little confusion earlier where we're thinking maybe he was referencing Tim Anderson. You know, didn't say the name specifically yesterday in his quotes, but I also thought that maybe he was referencing a team that misses out on a shortstop that might have a plethora or a team that does get a shortstop, as the rumors are about the Cubs maybe getting multiple shortstops, that they could move their current shortstop or like the Padres, if they get Xander Bogarts, could move their current shortstop to the White Sox and they'll be in that market. Is Could you maybe ask Rick in a much more articulate way of if he meant that Tim might be on the, on the market or that he meant – there's other shortstops that if another team acquires a shortstop might be in the market for the White Sox. Okay, yeah, we, we, maybe we, we can ask to clarify. I don't know that he talks specifics about players that may be on the block, but uh, I, do, I do get what you're saying as far as, like, the, the way I think me and Sean, like Sean rewrote that piece for allchgo.com about Tim Anderson possibly being on, uh, on, the, on the, potentially being on the block just because of that quote. 
Um, and, and it kind of made it seem like, oh, if these other teams miss out on a shortstop, uh, does that mean that the White Sox may hop in with an off? You know, they have a shortstop that uh, another team may want, right? That's kind of how, I guess, me and Sean took it. But I see where you're coming from, Herb, that uh, it may be, it may be uh, the other way around, right? Like a team that gets a shortstop, that's in that shortstop market and gets one, uh, may have uh, some loose players that uh, or some, some players they can afford to deal away to make a little bit a little bit of room uh, and get something back that uh, something else they need in return right um, so I guess we can uh, you know get some clarity on that hopefully uh, with Rick uh, when we meet with him but um, yeah I, I, I took it to mean the other way but I can see the way uh, the way you're kind of thinking about it and that, that's definitely a valid question to ask. Yeah, I, I, I do think that he might comment on Tim specifically just because he did comment on Gavin Sheets. Um, and then I think when some reporter asked if they've reached out to Elvis, he said, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch on that just because I think he's outside of the organization. So maybe because those players are still in the organization, uh, he would be able to touch upon it. I, I think the more I read it, I don't think they're going to trade Tim Anderson, especially with what Ken Rosenthal just said, uh, basically saying you know that they're probably more likely to trade Hendricks. But even then, I mean, if there isn't a question about Hendricks, maybe if you could bring him up, just because we're just kind of baffled that if they are going to make a blockbuster trade, it seems like it's going to be Liam Hendricks. But that really doesn't single signal that you know you're competing in 2023 if you're trading away a huge signing just two years ago. And I'll start closer. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean. It's the same thing as like how it's a weird balance where you are trading someone who's, you know, pretty important part of, of what you're doing. Like he's your closer, all-star closer. Um, and you're, you're, you're signaling you want to compete or you're saying you want to compete, but then a move you make might signal that maybe you're not right. It's a, without actually saying it out loud. So it's a very weird balance to strike between that. Um, so yeah, that, I, I'm sure that's another with, um, you know, that Liam Hendricks rumor kind of dropping after we had already talked to Rick yesterday. Uh, I'm sure that's a question that will get brought up. Uh, just kind of how they see Liam Hendricks fitting into uh, you know, the roster in 2023. And when Pedro Grafal met the symbol media for his first press conference when he was in Chicago, he unsolicitedly brought up uh, Yoan Mahata's name just as a guy that you know can get bet on base via the walk a little bit more. Is there any player that he brought up that you guys didn't actually bring up to him that he was like, I'm looking forward to this player to do this this year? Uh, no, not, not anyone that was brought up. He actually, he actually brought up Jose Abreu unsolicited kind of talking about how they lost Jose Abreu and he was a good player that kind of stuff. Um, but as far as like, I mean, just, there are players that, you know, uh, he was asked about that he gave good answers. I mean, one, obviously maybe a, a, a controversial uh, player in on the South side right now, Yasmani Grandal, um, just based on the struggles he's had. And he, you know, he talked about, he, he's communicated with him and you know, that Yasmani Grandal is, is a very creative player always looking to get better. He feels good. He feels healthy. Uh, he feels ready to go. And, you know, it's only it's December. So you still got a, a few months to go until spring training really gets underway. Um, but he's a guy, he, he's just constantly working to get better. And, you know, the, the struggles, everyone, know, you know, well-documented, everyone knows kind of how that went down this past season. But um, I, I'm not saying you can expect the bounce back. Um, but the way uh, Pedro put it is, is that you can at least expect, you can at least expect him to work to be able to put in the work to have, uh, you know, potentially a bounce back season. Whether that comes to fruition, you know, that's kind of on his mighty Grandel to, to meet that production. Ryan, uh, final thing for us before you got to go and bounce around between uh, Jed and Rick. What was the uh, rumblings like when Arson Judge signed with the San Francisco <laughs> Giants? <laughs> Arson Judge, man, that was, uh, I, I saw that, I started cracking up. Uh, no, not, not that, well, it, it was, 
it was kind of funny because it happened, and then I don't know how much lo- how much later um, he re- uh, he re- re- redacted or recanted what he said, yeah. um, saying that uh, there was there was really nothing. No, it was a it was kind of funny, uh, but nothing you know nothing to uh, not, not really any rumblings going on. Uh, the rumble obviously was uh, Cody Bellinger to the Cubs, and you mentioned that earlier, um, and that you know a one year contract. I mean that that is a I won't get too much into Cubs because it's a White Sox show, but that's uh, obviously a great fit uh, for the, on, on the Cubs side, on the north side of town. So uh, there'll be two series between the Cubs and the Sox. I think both are in July, actually, or one's July, one's August. Uh, so you'll, you guys will see Cody Bellinger on the north side or and on the south side at some point this season. Yes, we will. Uh, and hey, I, I love that deal. If the White Sox got him for 12 and then with a buyout for 5.5, I thought that would have been a steal. So I think the Cubs got a good one. Ryan, we appreciate your work. Make sure you follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. And he'll have more stuff uh, from Rick Hahn and Jed Hoyer a little bit later on tonight from San Diego. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. All right, another big signing from winter meetings today was Josh Bell. He's headed to Cleveland on a two-year deal worth $33 million, uh, a league source said. Uh, the deal includes an opt-out clause after 2023, and Bell, uh, as you most remember him, uh, you specifically, uh, remember him from San Diego. Uh, was just traded to, from uh, San Diego to from the uh, Nationals in 2021. Or yeah. in 2022, uh, yeah. and it was all right for the Padres. He was really good for the Nationals. Got on base at uh, 38% clip. And then when he got to San Diego, just like uh, other players like Drury and Soto, they struggled there when they uh, had to ch- go across the uh, country to play for the Padres, but they did well for themselves. He fits the profile of the Cleveland Guardians. Switch hitter, which they have a bunch of. Mostly he'll be facing the White Sox from the left side. Power-ish bat. He hits home runs, but not at a clip that he should. He should be more powerful. He'll be probably playing first base over Josh Naylor, where Josh Naylor will be playing more of the designated hitter role. Who's he's imp- um, Josh Naylor's impro- improved in his defense, but I think Josh Bell is slightly better. Good guy, not a great guy, but the best team in the division just got that much better. A three-war last year for the Washington Nationals and San Diego Padres. I could see this guy being just that good, and, you know, the pod- I mean, the Guardians are just having above-average player after above-average player on their roster, and they just got much better than they did were yesterday. He's a solid player. Yeah, no, he is a solid player. And he player. doesn't strike out that much. I I just think that I don't think he's a, a piece that puts you over the top. And we'll go into that in just a second. We just have two super chats because you guys are fantastic. Uh, one coming from Rusted. We'll go to his first just because he was on when Ryan was on. Uh, thank you for the super chat, Rusted. Being a Sox fan under Jerry's ownership is torture. <laughs> we glimpsed the mountaintop, and then he tripped... All the way back down the mountain, uh, and we were just talking to the Bulls guys. Uh, Will Gottlieb was like, "Huh, isn't it fun covering a Reinsdorf-owned team?" And then we decided that we might have a, a little therapy episode just because uh, we have the Reinsdorf ownership uh, hailing over us, and everything seemed fine with the Bulls, but apparently they, you know, had Billy Donovan signed to a secret extension. So, just, you know, uh, stay Jerry. Fans would have been like, "Yeah, <laughs> right. announce a goddamn extension." Why are you being weird? Why are you being weird? Secretive. Yeah, why are you being weird? Just weird. Uh, Stefan Bardell with the super chat as well. Uh, Thank you, Stefan. Uh, We have one true outfielder right now. Ridiculous, which is true. It's Luis Robert. Outside of that, it's Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, Leary Garcia, and Oscar Colas, technically, too. I would say he is an outfielder. And he was just graded as the best defensive arm uh, in the White Sox uh, system by uh, Baseball America. So, left fielder, right fielder. Grain of salt. Okay. Because the White Sox. All right. That's fun. Uh, isn't that fun? Uh, let's go into uh, the final thing here. 
since they signed Josh Bell, mm-hmm. um, and you put out the poll, who's better, the Guardians or the White Sox? I think yep. 84% of people said the Guardians. 84% of you are wrong. Because 84% um, of the people have eyes and ears. And, and mercy. Uh, watch the game. Yeah, if you watched in 2022... The Guardians were better than the White Sox. Much better. Absolutely. Uh, do I think that's going to play out in 2023? No. Uh, we'll go position by position here. Thank but, you to but, Kevin for putting this together. But I don't know how you say that because the White Sox, literally, I just said. We'll have the discussion. They lost their literal best player Yes, and offense. I don't think the Guardians were that good. Um, at catcher, Grandall. I, we, we always talk about this with the Zips projections, right? Yep. The teams have their 90th percentile season. Some have their 10th percentile season. I think the White Sox had a 10th percentile season last year in 2022. I think the Guardians, who were the youngest team in the America, in the in Major League Baseball, had a 99th percentile league. I think they're just young and good. Okay. Uh, I mean, if we're, 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 at, we're, well, we're, if we're looking at catcher, Grandall versus Hedges, I... I know that it's ridiculous to even say Grandall and Zavala over Hedges and Maley, but in this spot, I would take Grandall and Zavala for 2023. If we're looking at their best, yes, Grandall, but Hedges is bad with the bat, but outstanding with the glove. I, I guess I'll begrudgingly put Grandall. Right. That's just because Cleveland's catcher is horrible. You yes. add Sean Murphy to that, if they get him, Cleveland's oh, a better it's team. not even close. Cleveland's a better team. I think Sean Murphy does put them over the top. But first base, Vaughn versus Bell, I'll give it to Josh Bell. I would actually go with Andrew Vaughn in this one. What? Yeah. I think- Josh Bell has been an all-star before. Yeah, he has been an all-star. But we're talking about, and this is the theme with Cleveland, they're young and they're going to get better. That's what people always tell me about Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, he had only 17 home runs, but he's young and he's going to get better. Who would you take for 2023? I would take Andrew Vaughn. Okay. I, yeah. I would take Josh Bell. I mean, $16.5 million. There's a reason he got that contract. I mean, jo- Andrew Vaughn hasn't hit 20 home runs in a season. I, I'll take Josh Bell. Uh, second base, I don't think this one's really a, a comparison. No. Lenin Sosa, who is just the placeholder right now for second base, if they even get somebody uh, for second base. That's who I project right now to be their second baseman versus all-star Andres Jimenez. It's not close. It's like they have such a big lead on that one that it makes – all the rest. Like, if we're going check mark to check mark, yeah, you could see it's kind of even. But Jimenez over every short or every second baseman the White Sox have make a huge ass lead for the Guardians there. Um, Steven also, I don't want to follow this up. Uh, didn't you want the Sox to sign Jeff Yes, Bell? to supplement, to have Vaughn and Bell and then play Eloy Jimenez in left field. Yes, no. I did. No, no Eloy in left field. Uh, shortstop, Tim Anderson versus Ahmed Rosario. I would take Tim Anderson. I would take Ahmed Rosario. Ahmed Rosario was Thank a, you, Kevin. Um, Thank you a, for shaking your almost head. like a four and a half win player last year. And no, I'm gonna bring this up again. Availability is what, Sean? The best ability. Thank you. Ahmed Rosario post. And, and did you see his his four wins he had? Uh, well, I'm looking at Fangraphs, and he's at 2.4. All right, for and he was at 2.4 the year before. And so and Tim Anderson was at two F4 this year. And Tim Anderson, worst career, worst year really outside of 2022 uh, was 2017, where he was worth 0.7. But even in his 99 game rookie season in 2016, he was a 2.4 you, WAR. All right, so rookie at, Tim Anderson was just as good as a Metrosario. I was looking in at B WAR, and Tim was like a one. And Romero Rosario was like a four. Yeah, and for basing it off one year, sure. But Tim Anderson also like was injured with a sagittal band tear. Like, I mean, that's a freak accident. I never even heard what a sagittal band was before this. Check the year. Tim before. Anderson was the starting American League shortstop in 2022. 79 games in 2022. 
120 the games in The face of our franchise is worse than a Med Rosario. Med Rosario was really goddamn good last year. Out of here. Third base, Jose Ramirez versus Yohan Moncada. That's not close. That's a that huge. That's not close. That's a huge. Again, <laughs> Jimenez over the second baseman, huge gap. Ramirez over Moncada, huge gap. He's the best player in the AL Central. It's not close. I'd agree. I, I would agree. I, but I, I, I think that there's a bigger gap between. Anderson and Rosario than they're giving him. Uh, left field, we want to talk about big gaps. Quan versus Gavin Sheets. Not close. Quan is, what, third in the rookie of the year voting. Mm-hmm. You can count on him to get on base early in the game and to make some catches in left field. Not close. Robert versus Straw in center field, not close. Even though Straw won the gold glove this year, that's all he brings to the table in speed. Robert is Robert. Well, And Robert should bring speed. He should bring gold glove defense. He just... Didn't really give a shit uh, in 2022. Uh, just by looking at some of the StatCast numbers, I don't think he's fallen off that much as an athlete, and I, I just don't think he was a guy that was really energized in 2022. Uh, right field, Colas versus Oscar Gonzalez. I think this one's close. I, don't I almost think it's gave close it to Colas. Gonzalez actually played and performed in the major leagues. Yeah, and Colas, I think, is, has not. Is, <laughs> all right, he has not. No, he has not. But they're both Where's the he? same age. Yes. Gonzalez has performed in the major leagues. Right. Colas has played one year stateside, and we're going to be depending on Oscar Colas to be our right fielder, which I is st- ridiculous. I still can't believe you picked. Just ridiculous. Med Rosario over Tim Anderson. Uh, DH, Aloy Jimenez versus Josh Naylor. I gave this to Aloy. Yeah. It's, I mean, Na- again, Na- again, availability is the best ability. If we're just saying that these players are always going to play, yeah, give it to Jimenez. Same thing with Tim. If hey, Tim Anderson is going right. to play 150 games, he's the better player than Med Rosario. Ahmed Rosario plays, and when he plays, he frustrates. You're not wrong that the White Sox need to stay healthy. I mean, that's the biggest thing for them in 2023, and they've built themselves into this hole. But if they stay healthy, again, I, I would take these players over them. Uh, starting pitcher, and I was getting some shit on this for Twitter, so I guess you might disagree with me too. Yes, because I don't look at it as this guy, there's this guy. I think about the collective versus the collective. So what's wrong with the collective here? I have Cease over Bieber. You disagree there? No, I don't. Okay. Lynn versus McKenzie. I'm talking about 2023 only. <laughs> since 2020... Tristan since, McKenzie is coming. Yeah, absolutely. He's got, fanta- he's got way more potential than Lance Lynn. And if we're team building, I'll take Tristan McKenzie. If we're talking about 2023, I'll take Lance Lynn. In the second half of uh, 2022, top 25 in FIP. Since 2020, McKenzie's debut, he's pitched 20 and two-thirds more innings. He has 135 ERA play. ERA plus McKenzie has a 110 McKenzie very very good will destroy the White Sox and their inability to hit right handers but I will still take Lance Lynn okay I, I don't McKenzie disagree so well in the playoffs man I what? don't know I might take him I might I might disagree with you there Sean McKenzie I like pitched him. well in the playoffs he did and that's, he was awesome yeah he's a stud right. I will let, Lance Lynn when he's not up against the Astros pretty good um Michael Kopech versus Cal Quantrill I gave this one to Quantrill I would go the opposite I gave it to Quantrill because he just pitched 30 games yeah I mean, he's, if we're talking about posting, past two years, he's thrown 25 games and 30 games. I understand that Kopech's got more potential, but can Michael Kopech even throw 120 innings? Yeah, he almost did it this year, didn't he? He, he, he threw 119. Yeah, he was right there. That's not even enough. He'll be, he'll be there next year. I, I'll take Quantrill just because there's, there's less question marks about his injury history. Giolito versus Plezak. Giolito. Yeah, that one's easy, too. And then Clevenger versus Savale. I'll take Clevenger easily. Easily? Aaron Savali has not made over 21 starts in a season. He's injured and bad. What, what is up with this? What, where do we all, what, what, what happened? Like, yes, 2022 was awful. The White Sox underperformed, and they had an 
awful manager that did not energize anybody. And they were hurt the entire year. I understand that it's excuse after excuse after excuse. Yes. The talent still sides with the White Sox. No. Yes. Cleveland was the better team last year. Geo is trash, and so is Zach Plezak. He hasn't had an ERA plus over 100 in two years. Think that about That guy's this. a bust. Didn't the Cleveland Guardians just win this division by 10-plus games? Yeah. And what, and what and got, the White Sox were still in it in September 20th. Okay. And, and the, they, they gave up at the end of the year. So let's. It have the White Sox that, gotten better since then? No. Have the Cleveland Guardians gotten better since then? Sure. Then what is the argument? I, What's the argument? I, I don't. Again, the White Sox underperformed last year. If, if Luis Roberts fully healthy, if Aloy Jimenez is fully healthy, if Andrew Vaughn's playing at his position, if Tim Anderson plays more than 100 games. I mean, and that, that's not even excluding, you know, that's not even including Yasmani Grandal and Yohan Moncada. Like, those, those players for the Sox can truly define the season of 2023 for them if they are healthy. If. Lots of ifs. Right. Cleveland just has to play like they played last year, which none of that was a surprise. All that was supposed to happen. Really? The wins, maybe the, the not. The Guardians were supposed to trade Francisco Lindor and get their two yes. corner, cornerstones they, a second. That's why they, they, they continued to prospect they, when they got him. They continue to do that. They, what have you seen from the Cleveland Guardians in their history that doesn't show that they do this all the time, where they get young, good players and then trade them away and then acquire them? Ahmed Rosario was a big-time prospect with the Mets. And, but he's, he hasn't really elevated himself. Like, I mean, 2019, he was a two-war player. In 2021, he was a 2.4 player. In 2022, he was a 2.4 player. He's been the same player since 2019. They're a smart, good organization. They play the baseball correctly. They do. They pick the ball up. They pitch it well. And you didn't even put the bullpen in there. And you could say it's a strength of ours. We get blasted by their bullpen. The, they were the fourth and eighth bullpens in major leagues, according to war. Yeah. According to F4. And their manager uses him correctly. And I know we got a new guy, but he's never handled a bullpen. He's never had a, a whole staff of doing this through 162. I know Tito Francona's get that bullpen right. And Emmanuel Classe can't be beat. No. 102 mile per hour cutters. Class A. And now that jerk Karen Check's back to be in Karen Check, I hate it. I'll take Ray Lowe. Ryan Shaw's throwing sliders. He's 85 years old. Still, I'll take Ray Lowe well. and Liam Hendricks still. Stefan's good. Just embarrassment of riches back in the bullpen. And now you're going to get a healthy Aaron Bummer, Garrett Crochet coming back. A lot of Joe hopes. Kelly's all ready to go, baby. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I just think I, I think, is, I think people are really upset with the White Sox, and I think that's clouding their judgment. Cleveland didn't, I don't think Cleveland played better than they expected. I think the White Sox played worse than expected, and Cleveland just picked up the mantle. No, I absolutely disagree. They're the youngest player team in may, in the majors, and they spent $33 million on their roster. And you think they're going to get worse? Yes. I don't think that they – I think they, I think every single one of their players overperformed. The only players that didn't were Malley and Hedges at catcher. Like, I mean, maybe not even J-Ram. Like, like Stephen Kwan, like, is he going to be that fantastic? He's not going to go into any more struggles. I mean, he's a fourth-round pick. You expect him to be that good for the entire year? Yes, I don't know. Austin Gonzalez is going to be that good again. Josh Naylor had a 5-12 OPS you, versus left-handers. Do you see He's going to be that happening? good against right-handers again? Do you see all those players keeping happening? That's called player development. Yeah, they do a I know great job. Fo- I, know a great foreign, job. I know it's foreign to people who cover the White Sox. Player development, where they start at a level and they get better. That's what the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians do. 
they get their players better. And they do the low salary thing on purpose because they know they have such a great player development system. And they have a bunch of money. If they were checking in on Jose Abreu when his $20 million annual average value, they're going to check in on somebody else that might kill the White Sox. If they get Sean Murphy, game over. Well, if they get somebody else, game over. I think they're done spending their money. You think so? They have plenty of money left. They do, but they I don't the, think they They got the $30 million also from Bam Tech. Mm-hmm. They can say, you know what? We are the class of the AL Central. We're putting up that banner. We just lost in the playoffs, and we might not be as good as the Astros or the Yankees yet, but the player X, player Y, we're back, we're back at the same level. Yeah. I, I, if you guys, and I, who's your daddy saying, how the fuck is Cleveland going to get worse? Again, if, if you guys Thank believe you, if you guys believe Thank you. that Josh Naylor was that good, if you believe Andres Jimenez is that good, if you believe Ahmed Rosario is that good, if you believe Oscar Gonzalez is that good, be my guest. I'll take the White Sox in 2023. And that's and that's without them even adding a left fielder and second baseman. All right. I don't know how the Sox will win 80 to 80 92 games. How? I don't, how th- I don't think that? I don't think Cleveland roster? wins. I don't think Cleveland wins 90 games next year. Without I I do not believe that Cleveland wins 90 games next year. I, don't know I think the, the American League Central can have 85 wins. The, 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 the winner of that division could have 85 wins. Actually. And how are the White Sox going to get there? I I, dude, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not Rick Hahn. That's his question. Uh, Ryan Herrera is going ask, <laughs> to ask him that. They still need to sign a left fielder. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and a right fielder. I think Colas is fine. If you, trust Oscar, if you trust Oscar Gonzalez in right field, you should be able to trust Oscar Colas in right field. As I said, player development. All right. Hey. He's already been developed because he's 25 years old. Um, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckenroll23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Kevin Wells for producing our show today. We will talk to you tomorrow. I think we're back at 4 p.m. Yep. 4 p.m. Uh, here on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Make sure you like, subscribe, and make sure you follow the channel as well. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox.